sorry. That uh, I appreciate the worship together. Um, got me way more than I would have expected. Uh, it's something when you get together to worship the King. Uh, it's something how um, how Jesus' name being exalted in its rightful place. Um, that he has no rivals. He has no equals. He has no one else who can compare to who he is. And yet, when, when you elevate him in that way, something happens, not just to you, but uh, to those around you, you know, where uh, even, you know, uh, you can experience Psalm 3-3 where he says, he is our glory and the one who can lift up our head. You know, he is the one who can uh, sustain us and keep us. Uh, it is in him we live, we move, and we have our being. It is in the person of Christ whom we love and we adore and that we have to. Uh, it's very easy to get our, our eyes distracted from him. It's so easy, so easy. And um, I wanted to say, you guys, thank you for worship today. I really, I, I was like, hey, man, keep going. <laughs> uh, because there's a, something that, um, that we have, it's spiritual warfare sometimes, and, and the fact that when you're actually worshiping God, you know, it, it actually can push back against the enemy, the lies that you believe and the lies that you hear. Uh, that's why it's important for you, even in your own home, to worship God to tell him how good he is and how much you love him. Sometimes you got to stroke his ego and say, Jesus, I love you, even if no one else is doing it. Because as you, as you worship him, as you praise him, you know, you, you, know, you can li you know, you lift yourself up and you, as you exalt his name. And so uh, I encourage you all, uh, whenever you're, you're feeling depressed or down, try to just start saying, thank you, Jesus. Like, Lord, I love you. Just tell him about how he, even if you don't feel it, because some of us are so dictated and controlled by our emotions and our feelings and what we, what we uh, feel silly. You know, is, it, is anyone listening? Yes, he's listening. We have a king who hears and understands and identifies with us. We have a king who knows us. We have a king who, who loves us. We have a king who desires to hear from us. And it's not that you're invoking his presence because he's already here. What did, what did the psalmist say in Psalm 139? He says, where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? It's, it's not that we're trying to invoke his presence. We're just trying to make our flesh more aware of his presence. Sometimes our flesh has to go down so that our spirit may be aware of the fact that, oh, he's here. The king is here. Um, I'm going to pray. And then I have an assignment because I have a... I don't have much to say to y'all today. <laughs> y'all know as a preacher, you know, y'all, whenever they say, I ain't going to be up here long, then one hour later, they're still there. <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, pray, and then uh, I'm going to uh, talk, to, uh, talk through my, the assignment that, that was given to me by the Lord. Lord, we thank you for who you are. Jesus, I am in awe of you. I stand 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 in awe of you, oh God. I stand in awe of the, that you love me. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't fully get it. I don't. But yet, it's true. You love us. So God, today I pray that we will, be, we, we will bask in your love today. That we will experience your spirit. I even pray that... that uh, <laughs> My words are not sufficient of what I prepared for the, to meet the needs of the people in this room. So God, I, I, I pray just like that little boy with the fish dinner in the scriptures where his, his dinner wasn't enough to feed every, all the miles, miles of those 5,000 plus. 
but in your hands it was it was powerful and it was enough to feed everybody and then some so god i surrender my words over to you because i know in my hands it's not enough but it's in your hands that god you can do what you can do what you do uh be with us today be with me strengthen my me and my inner man as i need it as my outer man is perishing and feeling weak lord but my inner man is being renewed day by day and god i pray today the same thing for the hearers that they may hear you that that those who feel weak that they will they'll be strengthened enough to be to be focused on the fact that you are king and we are not be, to, to be focused on the fact that you are king but we are in, and, and that they're in your kingdom and that as, as they're as we're there those who are in your kingdom let them rejoice in that that, that that means that you are in control god i pray right now for those who feel unseen those who, who are walking through who feeling like they that do, do, do people even know i'm here do people even know what's going on. Do people even care? Lord, I pray that they will be seen today. Let them know that they're seen and that they're loved by the God who sees. So God, have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we are, um, the assignment I got is uh, Colossians 1.18. Colossians 1.18, but before I get to 1.18, uh, you guys have over the last couple of weeks been talking about how Jesus is over everything, right? Jesus over everything. I like everything, T-H-A-N-G, you know, but Jesus over everything right now. And that means that we're, we're you know, we're exploring this, this, this text, this, this early song or statement uh, that Paul had written to the church at Colossae to combat Gnostic teaching or teachings that were, that were kind of like pushing, you know, uh, pushing this idea that we had a absentee daddy. This idea that, yeah, it's Jesus plus other stuff, or Jesus, you know, uh, that, 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 you know, yes, Jesus is God, yes, Jesus is, a, is, is good, but, but he, you know, like, like he's not over, you know, he's over the good stuff, God is over the good stuff, but not the bad stuff. They were trying to go back against this idea that, you know, he was combating this idea that, that, that you needed Jesus and then other stuff, and, and uh, similarly, similarly, and you see that in Galatians, and just so you guys know, if you want to read a companion book to Colossians is Philemon. They go together. And so we see that he was dressing down the, the Gnostics or these folks who were uh, coming at the new believers and he was challenging them that in verse 17, can you read up, bring up that, the initial scripture from five, uh, 15 through 17, or 15 through 20, I'm sorry. Uh, he was pushing back to let them know that, that Jesus is the image or the icon of the invisible God. You know, that, that he's the firstborn of our creation, that essentially he was here from creation. He's not talking that he was born. He was just telling him that, that, that he, he, he had, he's already existed since the beginning of time. He was telling them that, that for by him all things were created. He was telling them that, that, there's a, that Jesus is, you know, he, it's funny that, that he, he brought, when he was talking about Christ and he was talking about the person and work of, of Jesus, he, he harkened back to creation. Because he was letting them know that, that there is a, you know, one, he is the agent. He, is the, he, was, he, he, was, he pushed everything. He was the one who, helped, who created everything. But in addition to that, he was saying that, that, that there's a, a creation taking place that happened at the beginning of time, but that he is now the author of the new creation that's, that's going on right now within the church. That's what verse 18 
as we're going to talk through that, you know, about this new creation. So he has creation, yes, Jesus was part of that. He, he, it, was, it was created for him, through him, and by him. But now, in verse 18, he's talking about that there is a new creation or for a new humanity, the second place for those who are in the church. Verse 17, he, 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 was, he was laying out this idea. Verse 17, can you go back to verse 17, please? Or the previous. In verse 17, he was saying, and, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Yes, he was like, this, this God is, is, you know, he, he is involved. He let him know that Jesus is the one who, who holds everything together, and nothing was held together without him. He ain't the kind of God who says, I'm going to go and buy a, you know, or the kind of daddy that says, I'm going to go buy uh, some milk and then never come back. Some, some of us, that's our story. Like, dad, where you at? Oh, he just left and bought a pack of cigarettes and never came back, you know. But no, he's telling us that, that we have a God who's intimately involved. He's here, 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 here. And I keep saying that over and over again because I want you to, you to know that in Luke 12, 7, we have a God that says, he's, he's telling us that, that we have a, a God who cares about the very hairs on our head. We have a God who cares about the, the sparrows, the little, the little rat birds out there, you know, that, that, that he knows that, that when, when one of them falls by the wayside, I thought it was pigeons too, but still, yuck. But, sorry, I'm, if you're a bird person, they scare me. Freak me out. Don't like birds. Anyway, because uh, you can't control them. Parrots are cool, but I don't want to hang out with them because it's still. But he was pushing back on this idea that we have a God who's involved. That we, have, we don't have an absentee daddy, okay? And that, that alone should make us, you know, he, he's like, yeah, Zeus, absentee. They, they only are around when they come, you know, when they come around for, for things for them. But, no, this God that we're dealing with, this Jesus, is very radically different. He's above all. So, in verse 18, we, 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 we come to this idea that, that, that this truth that he statement, he said, that, and he, this Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he may be preeminent. That means that he may be supreme, that in everything he is primary. He's first in rank. He's the one who has everything. He is, he's numero uno and no one else comes, you know, no one has a, a, a you know, it's a far second from who. <laughs> but he's letting us know that, that, that this is a new humanity that he's coming in, that, that he's ushering a, a new perspective that he is the head of the body, the church. And so if I had to title this message, I would say the people and their king. We're going to call this the people and their king. The people, let's talk about that first, and then we talk about their king second, okay? That's my, if I have two points, those are my two points. Let's talk about the people. First, uh, he said, uh, and he is the head of the body, the church. That word church right there is in the uh, Greek is ekklesia, or the called out ones. Now, Sometimes when I first read that, I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, first I learned about Ecclesia, I'm like, that's what we are, the church, we're the church. And I'm like, no, when you do a little bit of history and you know the word Ecclesia in the, in the Greek culture, you would actually hear, you'd be walking down the street and you'll hear folks saying, uh, hey, I'm going, I'm, I'm going to the, I'm part of the Ecclesia. It doesn't mean that they're part of the, the church of new humanity, but it was telling them that, that, that they were part of a legislating body of a particular area in that society. That they were part of a legislating body of a particular area within that society. So they were responsible for, okay, for us in our head, think of school board or council, or, or like city council. 
That, that is actually the called out ones who were elected officials to, to, to uh, bear the, the weight or the bear the calling of that particular body, you know, and, and, bear, and, and bring their judgments on that particular area. So if you're part of the Cleveland Public School Board, you've been elected to that office, right? So you are the what? Elect. And you have one specific re, uh, a region or area that you're supposed to be over, that you're over the, the school district, right? And so when you bear, uh, bring judgments or when you bring uh, rules and, and you reign over that, you know, and you make a statement or a declaration, it's, it's, it's to that particular area only. Am I right? Say amen. Now, in that culture, when they would hear the ecclesia, they would say that, Oh, these are, they knew already that this was a, these per people had a, had a legislative perspective for that particular area that they were over. Are you with me? So when Jesus saying, you know, but when Paul was saying this, that, that he is the head of the body, the church, that, you know, and he was talking about this whole Jesus, Jesus overall and through all and in all, right? And he's over everything, everything was made for him. He's letting us know that, that, the church, this new humanity, this new people that, that Jesus was ushering in, this called out assembling, that, that they were responsible for bringing heaven's legislation onto earth. We are responsible for bringing, bringing heaven's legislation or heaven, heaven's view on every area of life. And so the church has a responsibility is to say, you know, that God's view is this over every area, sexuality, uh, sociology, over every area, human behavior, how we should love each other. We are, we are, are, are bringing heaven's perspective that's been revealed through God's word onto every area of life. Am I right? Are y'all with me? So we have, the, the church that he's talking about is that we have a responsibility that's holy that we should not take for granted. And that it should, we should come here and realize that we are more than just a social club. Actually, we ain't a social club at all. That's the golf course down there, the country club. That's where they have a specific area. We want to go there for connections. You know, we, we are, you know, we just want to get rough, rough shoulders with influential people so that we may uh, get our business forward going forward. That's, a, so, you know, that's not the role of the church. We're not just a gang. Although I do respect, the closest you would get is the gang. Because the gang is, I can respect them a lot. You know why? Uh, one, because with the gang they have set rules that, 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 that everyone, it's clear that everyone must live by. And then, and then the moment that you, you, you miss, uh, have a mistake in that rule, the whole gang will come at you and say, hey, bro, you out of line. And they're going to correct you. They're going to discipline you. And then, the, and then either you get in line or get what? Kicked out or killed or one of the two, you know. But you're out of the gang. And then no one would look at them and say, that wasn't loving. They would say, no, 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 no. That was actually the most loving thing we could do. Because once you actually realize that, that here's our charter, here's our rules, here's our, here's our expectation, here's the reign that we're over, and, you, and the moment that you go outside of that rule, those, those, the rules that we have all agreed to as a, as a gang, 
then, then you have essentially saying you don't want to be part of this gang anymore. And we're going to, we're going to show you your way out. But at the same time, they're going to, they're going to love you. They're going to, well, when I say love you, they're going to be there for you. They don't care about your political affiliation. Republican, Democrat, I don't care. You know, why we care if, do you, do you bleed a certain color? What colors do you wrap? The church that Paul was talking about at this point, and this new people that, 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 that Jesus is ushering, are people who are not jumped in based upon, you know, like they want to be, you know, you know in the gang, you to, your affiliation is you get in the gang because basically you, know, you get jumped in or you go do, do something crazy. We're not, we're different from the school board because we're not elected in based on popular vote. Am I right? Amen? But our membership to this body of believers is based upon our allegiance and our belief that Jesus has died for us and rose again on the third day and that we're trusting in him for our salvation. And, and, and that is the bare minimum to say you are part of the family. You're a part of this church. You're a part of this ecclesia. You're called out. You're called out, to, you know, uh, out of darkness and, you, and you've been transferred to the marvelous light. Are you with me? So this church is not just, he's not, at this point, he's not talking about the local body like this, but he's talking about the universal Big C church, like all two billion believers, people who follow Jesus. If you name the name of Christ, you are a member of this ecclesia, this called out ones. And your responsibility is to come and you're like, I'm here to know what is heaven's rule over every area of life. What is heaven saying? What is heaven's perspective? What is God's perspective on this particular area? And yet we're supposed to, within that, we're supposed to love each other. What does God's word say? We should love each other, right? By this, the whole world will know that you're my disciples, by the love you have for one another. That's John, that's John 13, right? But that, that's, that's, a, that's one of the sign marks, the marks of the ecclesia. How do we love each other? Another sign mark is that how unified we are. Are we, are we one? In John 17, we see that Jesus was praying to the Father and says that, I pray that they are one just like who? Like me and the Father are one. Now, this unity is, 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 is talking about us being unified, but that doesn't mean sameness. Rather, it means distinctiveness that's going in the same direction. And we have a common purpose. We want to see heaven's rule and reign over every area of life. So we, we, we see the tenets of this church that, G, that Paul is is writing about to the church at Colossae, and he's letting you know that, 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 that you have been caught out, and you are, and Jesus is the head of the body, the church. This is his people. This is, you know, the church is, 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 is Jesus' people who are supposed to look at everything and, and, and say, well, what is God's perspective, even if it doesn't agree with my own perspective? Look at this. And I say this all the time, but for God to be God, he must, have, he must say things or do things or allow things that you and I don't understand, don't agree with, and don't like. If you're part of the church of Jesus Christ, 
you must know that, that, that there's going to be things you just don't agree with. Like, you look at his word and you say, I see your word there. I don't like it. And he's like, that's okay. You ain't going to like it. Because I see things that you may not understand. And, I, and, and, and look, your job is to subjugate yourself to my rule and my reign and my word. And it's not going to always make you feel good. And there's a, there's a trust element that says that based on your, his history, because, you know, like, like we look at things, we look at the patterns of Jesus. We say that, that okay, you conquered death, you overcame the grave, and you rose again just like you said. You have done it before. It's a gospel song that if you did it before, he gonna do it again. The same God. You know, the thing I'm talking about is this, is that you trust the fact that I'm going to sub sub submit my desires and my wants and, my, and, my, and the things I don't agree with, I'm gonna submit it to you because God, I trust you. Even though, and I want to talk about it. I'm gonna say, hey, I don't like, I don't like everything. But he's God, and more importantly, I'm not. Do you do you know what you aren't? Like, are you willing to say, come what may, Lord, I still trust you. What did the old King James say with Job? Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Is there a trust aspect within your heart that says, Lord, even if I don't like it, I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to say it to you. I hate people say you can't question God. Well, you can. I think you can. You're okay to question God. He's also okay not to answer you, but he's, he has every right to do that. But are you okay with the fact that, Lord, I don't agree with the way that my life turned out? Can you trust that he says, I'm still working it out for the good? Because that good that I have to work out for you is that I want you to be conformed to the image of my beloved son. So is the situation you went through, is it making you more like Jesus? Then yes, you can trust him. But the church, church's main role is not to be over here arguing with people at the, you know, being the West, Westboro Baptist Church. You, you, you don't hear much of them much anymore. But the church's main role is that we, we are here to bring heaven, heaven's rule and reign onto every area of life and, and give heaven's perspective. But yet we're not going to force ourselves onto people. We're going to love people and, and show them the truth of Jesus. We're going to stand on the, his word and we're going to do the things that, that he laid out in his word that we should, we should do. So when we're wrong, I'm going to repent. I'm sorry. When we're hurting, we're going to take our cries to, the, to our God. When I'm feeling alone, I'm going to trust that, Lord, I need some folks around me, Lord. I need you to meet me here. And I'm going to talk to people. I'm going to communicate your word. I'm going to share your gospel to people who don't know you. I'm going to, talk, I'm going to love my neighbors. Like, like, that's the prompt that we get from God's word. Again, we're taking heaven's heaven's rule and his, his authority based on God's word, and we're going to uh, see, make sure it comes to bear in every area of life on, uh, that we're around. So the question I have for you is this. 
When, when do you read the word of God, to, you know, and then say, Lord, you're calling me to do this. Let me go love my neighbors. Love your neighbors as you love yourself. Okay, you, that's a command for us. Okay, how do I love my neighbors? Let's talk through that. How do you love your neighbors? Have you, t- have you come, to, come to some other people and said, hey, how can I love my neighbors? Talk to another brother or sister in the faith. Have you asked that yet to anyone? And to, and, uh, or talk to each other. You know, we want to say, oh, Lord, I need somebody to pray for me. But our job is to say, what is heaven's rule? Heaven, we're to bring heaven's rule and reign and legislation into every area of life based on God's word. Do we love, have, have you read the word of God and say, let me love folks and how do I love them better? We're the called out ones, y'all. We should be unified. But that's the church. That's the ecclesia. Are y'all, I know I hear that a lot, but I, I think sometimes we get a, we get a, we get a, the ecclesia, the called out ones have a very, we have a, we don't understand that. And we think that means that we should always get political. I don't think, no, we should, we should get, like, get on the level with people and love them where they are. I think one of the most political things you can do is actually love your neighbors. <laughs> That's the most political thing you do, is literally love them. All right. Next, that's, the, that's the, the people. And then let's talk about their king. Where we said this in, in verse 18, it says that, and he or Jesus is the head of the body, the church. He is the head of the body, the church. The head of the body, the church. Now, when I think of a head, I think of a, um, a something that's vital. I think something that's like, like that's something that, that, that I cannot live without a head. If, I t- if you, you know, if you want to kill a snake, what do you do? You cut it off at the what? The head. The head goes and the body will follow. So if we're going to be the church and view all the things that we see in the scriptures and bring heaven's rule and reign in life, then we, that means that we, we, we have a need to be vitally connected to the head. Because if we're not connected to the head, then we cannot actually do the things that he's calling us to do. But who is the head? The head is Jesus. The head is Jesus. In, in, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23 through 27, we see, we, see, we see him laying this out. We see Paul says, And wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church his body, and he himself is Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to everything in their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, and he, uh, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her uh, by the washing of the water with the word. Verse 27 in Ephesians 5. So that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that he might be holy uh, that she might be holy and without blemish. Now, I, I'm not married yet, but people struggle with that whole idea that should you submit or whatever. Like, like the, the, the wife submit to your husband. Amen. That's a hard thing to do. But husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. That means you have to be willing to die every single day. Ooh, that's a, hard, that's a harder pill to swallow harder for us to follow, but what, he was using that as an example of what, what the head, our head has done, our federal head, which is Christ. He said that he might, you know, so that he might present himself a, 
a church uh, that's without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that, 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 uh, that, that his wife may be holy and without blemish. The purpose of our connection to the head is that the head is going to be the person who cleans us up, who sanctifies us, who transforms us. Who, the head who is Christ, he is the one who can get us and make us into the people that we're designed to be. Are you connected to the head? Are you reliant on Jesus and the fact that he can purify you, hold you, and sustain you? Are you reliant on the person and work of Christ to the fact that, that, that you're saying, I'm, I'm staring at him, I'm learning him, and that as I learn him and as I learn the gospel, the good news of Christ, I will, you know, that's how I become more like him. There's an old saying that says, you become what you behold. Are you looking at Jesus? Now, it's funny. I was talking to some, one of my students about this recently at Kent State. And, and she was like, oh, no, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, you know, I feel like I plateaued. I need, I need more. I need more. I need more. I'm like, you need more of what? I just need more teaching. Okay, well, I can give you more knowledge. That's not going to make you more holy. Not, 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 not going to make you more like Christ. She said, well, yeah, but I just feel like I need to learn more. I need to learn more. I need to learn more. I said, well, do you know how much Jesus has done for you through the cross of Christ? She's like, well, yeah, you know, she was able to remember it by rote memorization. Like, yeah, I know the gospel. But I said, but how about, how, how deep has it gotten to your heart? To, like, the thing about the good news of Jesus is that you never outgrow, outgrow it. You will never outgrow understanding the gospel of Jesus. I also feel this. The moment you tell me you understand the gospel, that lets me know that you don't understand the gospel. When you say, I know God's love, God loves me, I don't think you do. Because it's a kaleidoscope. It's every time you look into it, you see it, another color, another fleck, another thing. You're like, ooh, I didn't realize he loved me in light of who I am like that. Because I know I'm messy. Our dependent upon growing and being sanctified is, is, is completely dependent upon how we are connected to the head, to the king. Because God, Jesus' whole goal is our sanctification, our holiness, our purity. And how much do we know him in that light? In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we see in verse 28, he says this, that God chose what was low and despised in the world, even things that are not uh, <coughs> to, bring nothing, uh, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, verse 30, you are in Christ Jesus, who, who, became, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that it, it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. I'll say this to you all, that our role as a church is to bring God's legislative rule into every area of life on this earth, right? Heaven's rule into earth, that's the point. But there's no, you know, and we see in verse 30, he says that, that Jesus Christ is going to give us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, if we're not seeing we're connected to the head, there's no way we'll have wisdom, we'll have righteousness, we'll know what redemption is or anything like that. So it'll be impossible for us to bring heaven's perspective into the earth. Because, because some of us have forgotten that we, connect, we, we need the head. You want, a prime, you want a prime example of what that might look like in our history as a country? Look at slavery. Prime example. Slavery happened, and the division that we see in our country right now happened because the church wasn't being the church. 
because the church of Jesus Christ have forgotten that we were supposed to, to bring heaven's rule and reign and legislation onto this earth. And so we should look at, a, at something vile, such as slavery, that said that people of a certain hue or color were less than people who had no melanin. And I'm sorry, y'all, y'all lack melanin. I mean, melanin's beautiful, I love it. Anyway, but that would, and by the way, y'all, I read some sermons from some, some preachers back in the 1800s who, who were using the biblical framework to endorse slavery. And I, I mean, and, and I, I ain't gonna lie, I read it, I said, that's convincing. It was, I mean, I'm like, I'm, and I'm like, dang, that was actually pretty dang on good. I, I might, I might want to amen that. But that, that wisdom that we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 is not there. It wasn't the wisdom of God because it subjugated the imago Dei, the, 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 the people made in the image of God. It made them less than as opposed to those who, are, who, who didn't have the melanin. Look at this. That's why the division is still within our country even to this day. Because the church, who was supposed to bring God's, God's rule and reign in every area of life, saw ourselves as more of a country club and that, that, than someone who's willing to say, you know something, I'm not going to hold, well, well we saw ourselves as a country club and we saw ourselves, we put a political gain more than our, I mean, a financial gain more than our own, gain of our own brothers and sisters in the faith. You know, there was actually a point at which they were saying that, you know, like, if you're a believer, a follower of Jesus, you cannot be enslaved, enslaved, right? That was cool. And then they, you know, somebody came and said, hey, well, actually, we, we need to preach the gospel to these slaves. Okay, well, then, okay, we should preach the gospel to those slaves. Okay, well, we'll change the law to say that, well, only if you're white, you won't be able to, you won't be in slavery. But, you know, like, are you with me on that? The church was not being the church because we saw we didn't see ourselves as connected to the head who had given us the, you know, the rule, who said, hey, your job is to, to, to bring the, my rule and reign in every area of life, and I want to see what heaven's perspective is on every situation. And the only reason we ended up getting that is that some folks were actually saying, no, we need to look at Jesus. They looked at Jesus, they connected, and, and the abolitionist movement started primarily because Christians began to look, say, no, Jesus is not that way. And you saw it with, um, uh, what's his name, John Newton, who actually wrote, who, 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 um, who experienced Jesus on a, sla- on a slave uh, route. He almost died in, 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 in transit, and, and he experienced the beauty of Christ, and then he said, oh, amazing grace, he wrote that. How sweet the sound. They saved a wretch like me. I was once lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. That was a man who was part of the ecclesia, the church. He got, he saw that his vital connection to the head, and, and, and uh, which is Christ, and then and that led to action to say, you know something. The things that we're doing are vile and wrong. And he spent the rest of his life tr- over trying to overcome or, or uh, 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 overthrow slavery in England, and he did it because the church started being the church. Are y'all with me? He says, I want to bring heaven's perspective in every area of life. Jesus is the head. That means that without the head, we are done. 
Do you know how necessary, how important it is for you to be connected to the head? Me? Connected to the head. So, I'm a nurse by trade. Okay? I've been a nurse for the last 15 years, 16 years. And, um, you know, like, when I started talking about, thinking about this, uh, something John this, I'm like, I started thinking about the head. I'm like, okay. I'm like, ooh, you know, like, I've seen people live without limbs. I've seen people, you know, live good lives without a feet or a foot or a hand or whatever. I've seen that. I think I've actually seen people live without their heart inside of their chest. They actually had, they had, they had a, 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 you might say, well, you can't live without your heart, but well, you can, we have, we have machines that can take place and, 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 and you can still survive that way for a season. But I've never seen anyone live without their head. If you saw somebody walking around with their head, you'd like this, even if you even even if you watch The Walking Dead, I don't know. I used to be a big, big Walking Dead fan. I'm watching it more. But anyway, what? How's what's the one way you can kill a zombie? Taking his head off. Here's what I started to realize. So I was thinking about this more. I'm like, okay, with the head, the, the the vital connection between the head and the body is such that the head it has the brain, the the mind, the brain, and then uh, connected to the brain is the brain stem. And, the, and connected to the brainstem is your nervous system, right? And then, uh, so the head generates a command, and then the body and the limbs must do what? Respond, follow. When the head says, move your arm up, then in a millisecond, you just move up. You know, if you're scratching your head, you drink coffee, that's because that, that response is generated by your head. So for us, that means that when we read the scriptures, that is our head, Jesus, telling us what we should do. Respond. But what I, I had to realize is that, and that's easy for us to understand. We're like, yeah, amen, praise Jesus. Okay, yeah, I'm read the scriptures, I go and do. Great. But don't you know that this is a bi-directional thing? That your head responds, generates a command, and your body responds. But guess what happens is that when the limb and the body responds to something like a pinch, then, then, then that sends a signal back to your brain to let you know that that, was, that hurt. Y'all with me? What happens when the body of Jesus is doing what the head has commanded? And then the body starts hurting. How does the head respond? In the book of Acts, we see that happen. Acts chapter 9, we see a situation where our boy Paul, it says, uh, was breathing murderous threats down the, 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 the backs of believers. It says, but Paul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to, to, uh, to the synagogue at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, that means those following Jesus, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him, and falling to the ground, he, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting who? Me. He didn't say, uh, and he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are what? Persecuting. Was, who, was Paul persecuting Jesus? 
Well, I mean, the scripture, go to verse 1. It says, now he went out. Go to verse 1, please. It says that he was breathing murder and threats against the disciples of the Lord. He was hitting it against who? The disciples of the Lord. And then what did, Paul, what did Jesus do? The head of You know, that was, that was the offense. The people of God were responding to the word of God, you know, making disciples and sharing the gospel to people. And then what ended up happening is that they end up getting murdered and was getting persecuted. And then Jesus said, oh, their cries are coming back to me, the king. That, that nerve, that nerve, that, that pinch, that hurt, the pain, the, the, the grief that they were, they were experiencing, I heard. And guess what he did? He intervened on their behalf. He went to Paul and said, hey, you're persecuting not, the, not just them, you're persecuting me because I and the body are, the body and the head are what? One. And if you hurt the body, then you hurt who? me, the head. And so he intervened on their behalf. Now look at this, peep game. The believers didn't even know they were, that, 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 that they, this was happening. They didn't know that Paul was being intervened with by the king. They didn't know that the head kind of got in his way and said, hey, bro, that ain't cool, whatever. They didn't know that because when Paul had, had this experience with the king, with Jesus, you know, he went on a whole journey and he tried to connect with the believers and they were like, uh-uh, no, bro, you're trying to kill us. You're going to set us up. Here's the thing. What happens when you and I begin to actually obey the things of Jesus and then it don't work out? And we feel like we're struggling and we're, we're having a hard time. Your cries do not go unheard. Your pain does not go unhe unheeded. Just like we see in the book of Acts chapter 9, we see that, that the bidirectional Thing. We see that the command went out from the, from the head, and we see the body was, was, was just almost like, like, like when I was a kid. I, I, I was so enamored with fire, and I, I turned to throw one, I said, fire. And my mom said, don't touch that, but, but my, my head said, I got to just, just touch it once. Just got to touch it. Just got to touch it. Anyone else was like that? No? Just me? Okay, anyway. And, and, and look at this. I touched it, and immediately I said, oh, no. Respond went back to my brain, never touched again. And here's the point I'm getting at, is that when you and I are struggling and we're doing the things that God has called us to do, and we're getting persecuted or we're getting pushed back or we're getting challenged, your father, your, I mean your God, your brother Jesus, your, the one whom you love, he hears and he's intervening on your behalf. You may not see it, you may not know it, you may not even understand it, but do you know that when you love your neighbor and you get rejected, that, that, that God sees that? Do you realize that when you, when you read the scriptures and, 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 and you go and you say, I want to obey you, Jesus. I want to follow you. And I'm trying to fight for purity, but I feel like I'm by myself. Oh, people make fun of you because, because you're doing things that, that not everyone else is doing or whatever, you know, like, like and you get rejected. Do you not know that? That, that that hurt that you experience, it goes back to the head. Do you know that he sees you? Do you know that he loves you? Do you know that he hears every single cry that you and I communicate to him? Whether we feel it or not. That's the kind of king we have. The command is sent out, we obey. When we're rejected and hurt, the signal comes back and he responds on our behalf.
Do you trust that he does that for you? That, that makes me want to say, I want to obey you. I want to follow you more, Jesus. And then the last thing before we wrap up is this. He says in verse 18, he says that uh, he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he may be preeminent, he may be first. That means that he's the firstborn from the dead. That, that talks about that, that, that his resurrection. Jesus uh, rose from, this is our king, that he, he rose from the dead. He, 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 he overcame our biggest enemy, sin and death. He defeated it in three days. That means that we no longer have a fear of death any longer. Death shouldn't hold us. Death should not hold us. It couldn't hold him. It, it may hold us. It may, we may bind die in this natural body, but we're going to be raised up. Um, that's why he, when Jesus said to Marcia, Martha, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me even though, uh, will live even though he dies. That's why D.L. Moody could say something like this, that uh, when I die at that moment, I shall be more alive than I am now. I shall have gone up higher, that is, uh, out of this old clay tenement or this old clay tent into a house that is immortal, a body that death cannot touch, that sin cannot taint, a body fashioned like unto his glorious body. That's why my, my boy Tim Keller, one of my favorite preachers, when he died a couple months ago, he said this. He said, there is no downside to, for death for the Christian, not in the slightest. Do you know that we have a king who's the firstborn from the dead? That means he's resurrected. Therefore, that if he resurrected, so will we. So death has no fear. We shouldn't have fear in death. I'm, I'm afraid it may hurt, yes, because I, 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 I'm allergic to pain. I feel you. But we can say for sure that even though, this is John eleven twenty five, that even though I die, we will live. Therefore, he will have first in everything. And pre, he had he preeminence in everything. The church brings God's rule and reign onto this earth. And we know his rule and reign onto his earth, on this earth based on his word. And, and, and we know his word based on, you know, and we, get, we understand it not just from reading of it, but, but like based on our connection to the head. So that as we obey him, we make it pushback, but he hears and he understands. And we have assurance that he's the first, first one from the dead. He's been resur resurrected because even if we obey and they persecute us to death, we, we don't have to worry about death because even though we die, we'll live in him. Do you believe that? That's a challenge that you and I must embrace in every way. And that's hard as heck. But he is who he says he is. He's a king and we are his people. Lord, we thank you for who you are. I'm glad that you conquered the grave. <laughs> I'm glad that you were first in election. I'm glad that you were first in redemption. I'm glad that you, uh, <laughs> you have first place in everything. But more importantly, Lord, I, I pray that you may have first place in my heart and the hearts of all those who hear us. That you may have preeminence in our hearts and our minds. Because right now, Lord, there's so many different things we, we, we're going through, so many different questions we have. Lord, I pray today that we may experience you being primary you being preeminent, that you, we can say honestly, Lord, you are first in everything. And for those in here who don't, who we can honestly say, Lord, you aren't first. I actually, I have other things I want. I have other things. and I have other issues, other concerns, other problems, Lord. Let us actually come to that and say, Lord, we need you to help, help me love you. I, I, I'm, I'm connected to the head, and I know you should be first. 
Lord, but you aren't. So help me put you first. Help me believe. Help me understand. Help me because I don't get it. But Lord, I want to because you should be preeminent based on your word. You should be primary. You should be first. Help me get there in Christ's name, I pray.